0: You've been going through the book of Ephesians, so' about ready to close up. Now, if you've ever been to Pastor Chuck's office, one of the first things you recognize is this big, comfortable chair that's right in the middle of his office. And it's a Chuck-sized chair, so when you sit into it, you get engulfed by the chair. But it's really, really comfortable. and it faces directly to Chuck, Pastor Chuck. And so two things are happening. You're, you're comfortable and you're having an eye-to-eye, eye-to-eye conversation with this precious friend of ours. And they really, it's really indicative of who he is as a man. Uh, there's much more to Chuck, but those are two things you always recognize when you're around him. You're very comfortable, and you do an eye-to-eye relational contact. He's just that kind of a guy. Uh, him and his wife Cheryl bring tremendous wisdom and experience to our pastoral staff but our, and to our church. And it's just a pleasure to, to have him as a part of our, of our church here. And uh, he's a hugger. Uh, if you feel like hugging, he's a great witty guy. He'll wrap around you twice most of the time because most of us are much smaller than him. But uh, we love this man. He's just a great friend. And we just welcome you, Chuck, to bring the word of God to us this morning. <laughs>
1: oh, my goodness. I got to get my hug in. <laughs> Amen. There you go. There you go. Guilty is charged. <laughs> I think uh, I, I got a blessing this morning, extra blessing. Uh, Joe, Joseph and, and Laura's little, uh, little baby this morning, I was just standing there, and uh, they come walking up and they were getting their kids ready for a ch- uh, children's church in there, and the little girl just kind of reached out to Pastor Chuck this morning, and uh, that was so awesome, just to take that little one in my arms. I think it's a grandpa syndrome or something. I mean, there's something wrong with that, you know. We need to stay approachable, don't we? I've got to stay approachable. Uh, Jesus was approachable. Little kids wanted to come sit on his lap. Disciples had an issue with it. He didn't. Jesus says, don't prevent them from coming to me. Jesus was approachable. And uh, I think to be Christ-like, I think we ought to be approachable. It really is. So Joe and Laura, that was a blessing to me this morning, it really was. Hey guys, uh, I got a, a quick announcement for you before we dig into the Word of God this morning. And uh, we have an Invincible Men's Conference that's coming up right in Novi, Michigan. It's at Brightmoor Christian Church on 13 Mile Road, and it's coming up on April 29th and 30th and in the back at the Info Center, I have these little flyers. It's got the, the, the address of the church and it has a QR code on it. And you can register, if you have a smartphone, you can register by just clicking on that QR code. The price is only $49 uh, for Friday night and about half a day Saturday. And, uh, or you can go to our webpage, mishmin.org, and you can register from that too as well. So there's two couple of different ways uh, one of the speakers, Pastor Wayne Francis, I don't know, and uh, but he's from New York, And uh, but there's one guy I do know, and that's Pastor Tim Delina. Pastor Tim pastored a, a church in Highland Park, Revival Tabernacle, for many, many years. If you've never heard Pastor Tim Delina, gentlemen, you missed something, because he is wonderful. He's an orator of God. Let me say it that way. Would that be right, Pastor Bob? Um, and he is the lead pastor now of the Times Square Church in New York City. He's the lead pastor there, and they've got him coming in, and uh, guys, if you'll go, I, I really believe with all my heart you'll be blessed if you, if you do. And this is right in our, 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 our back door, uh, Brightmoor Church is only three, four, five, four or five miles away from us. Guys, you don't need a hotel room, you don't need anything like that, but um, anyway. But all the information for this is, when you register, you'll find all the information, the times, everything that's going to be happening. But I wanted to make that mention to you this morning, guys, if we can get, we can get to go. Uh, it, it's, it's well worth, it, it's worth more than your $49, so I'll tell you that right now. So you need, to, you need to do that. So, all right. Well, that's my announcement for today, Pastor Bob. <laughs> there you go. Well, here we are. Thank you guys. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. You showed up in the house of the Lord this morning and we've sensed his presence. Pastor James just took us to the throne this morning, the worship team, and we want to continue to walk in his presence this morning. Um, I was telling Brian and Janice, I had a meeting with uh, Pastor Brooks and I told him about today I said, Pastor Brooks, I've got to do the armor of God in 35 minutes. <laughs> you know what his response was? He goes, <laughs> <laughs> "That was a <the> response." <laughs> so, being said that, we'll just hit the treetops. Amen. We won't get down in the foliage a little bit. Well, are you ready for some word this morning? <laughs> Amen. The title of my message this morning, Church, is "You Can Trust the Armor." You can trust the armor. Sooner or later, I think every believer discovers that the Christian life is a battleground, it's not a playground. That they face an enemy that's stronger than we are, apart from the Lord. Let me put that one in there. The Apostle Paul should use military examples to illustrate the believer's conflict with Satan is is reasonable. Because the Apostle Paul himself was chained to a Roman soldier. This is what we call the prison epistle. This was written while Paul was under arrest. And his readers were certainly familiar with the soldiers and the equipment that they used. I, I want to make a, church, a point this morning, church. Just as the armor signified a person that was a soldier, let me tell you, the armor of God signifies that you are a child of the king. And that you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you say that's right? Christians, we face three enemies. We face the world, the flesh, and the devil. Would you agree with that? (laughs) The world refers to a, a, a system around us that is opposed to God. Ain't hard to find that one. It caters to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. John says in 1 John 2 I I think a good description of that would be a society that is apart from God I think it would be a good thing to say the world, you know, to describe that the second thing that we fight is the flesh the old nature that we inherited from Adam thank you Mr. Adam Mm -hmm, thank you a nature that is opposed to God and could do nothing spiritual to please him What do you give a perfect God that needs nothing? Right? And the third thing, we know who this guy is. It's the devil. (laughs) The accuser. Because he accuses God's people day and night before the throne of God. The name Satan actually means adversary because he's the enemy of God. But church, I'm not leaving you there. I want to tell you some good news this morning. By his death and resurrection, Jesus Christ overcame the world. John sixteen thirty three. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Now either that's right or that's not right. It's right. And Jesus overcame the flesh. Galatians two twenty said, "I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me." We take up our death sentence every day, don't we? We're told to pick up our cross. Take up your cross and follow me. I take up my death sentence to Mr. Chuck every day of my life. I have to. You've got to die to me. Any about me. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And number three, he overcame the devil. Right, Mark? We studied that in men's class. First John 3.8, the reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus didn't say, I am finished, he said, he said I, it is finished. That's, that's what he said, right? He didn't say, I am finished, it is finished. And when, when he said, it is finished, Gavin, he destroyed the works of the devil. He did a good job. My Savior is sufficient, amen? amen. He's sufficient. But beloved, what am I saying this morning? We don't fight for victory, we fight from victory, The victory has been won. The Spirit of God enabled us by faith to appropriate Christ's victory for ourselves. Because Jesus was victorious, we will have victory as well. Let me see. Have you ever had a a final score of, of a televised sports game that maybe you were interested in? How many of you guys, how many of you have ever said, don't tell me the score, I want to watch the game, right? Don't tell me the score. Don't, don't, don't let me know what the score is. I, I don't want to, you know. But all of a sudden, the news media said, well, the score was, and we won, you know. And it's like, ah, you know. They say it's a football game. Already reveal what the score is. In other words, you already know the outcome. You know the score of the game. But by the, you know by that final score, our team has won. But sometimes, I, if anybody's like me, I like to go back, and watch the game again. I, I you know, although though I missed it the first time, I can catch it on a rebroadcast, right? We can watch the game again. I wanna catch the game to see how our particular home team overcame the visiting team. In seeing that rebroadcast to the game, let me say this, perhaps the interception that gave the other team the ball doesn't cause uh, uh, the same amount of fear that we would have had had we not known the final score. Maybe the foul that was uh, was called on our player doesn't cause the amount of fear that we would have had had we not known the final score. You know, uh, maybe maybe the overthrown pass that missed our wide receiver doesn't cause the same amount of desperation that we would have had had we not known the final score. You see, the view of, of the game replay doesn't have the same effect. As a matter of fact, it really doesn't cause any fear at all. Why? Because we already know the end result is that we win the game. Beloved, in the Word of God that we're looking at this morning, the Lord wants us to arm ourselves, to protect ourselves, and to advance His kingdom. But along the way, hear me, you may get wounded and you might lose a battle or two, but I'm going to tell you something, there's no room for fear because we already know what the final score is going to be. We win. got a little excited there sorry about that to mm. think about winning we know what the final score is just a thought here guys let me tell you this much we as believers we don't look for a battle <laughs> we don't look for the war believe me the battle in the world find you <laughs> can i get an amen on that one there. the truth is what propels the apostle paul to write the words of uh, of preparation that believers will need to arm themselves for the conflict ahead, we need to put on the full armor of God. Amen. Father God, I thank you for this precious opportunity I have to stand in front of the people that I love with all my heart to bring a word of God this morning. And God, I can't do this by myself. But I need your anointing, God. I need your Holy Spirit to transform these words, to feed the hearts of our people this morning, that they would leave this place encouraged, strengthened, Lord, prepared for the road ahead and i just give you thanks in the mighty name of jesus christ our lord and savior for that anointing in jesus name would you say amen with your pastor this morning amen. well what are we going to do Let's dig into the first verse of scripture here ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. what are we going to do we're going to be strong in the lord verse 10 finally Oh, I, I got hung up on that word, finally. I'm saying, ah, oh, Paul's coming to the end of his letter. Ah, oh, don't, don't stop writing. <laughs> you know, you ever talk to your Bible? Never mind, you don't do that. Anyway, <laughs> you don't do that. I'm like, you know, Paul said finally, and I'm going, I'm going, no, 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 not finally. I don't, don't stop here. But anyway, but the word finally reveals the beginning of Paul's conclusion to his letter where he's going to give the words of vital importance. You know, it, it, he's going to tell them something that they really need to know, you know, and, and, and for his readers. And be strong in the Lord refers to the strength that was derived from God, not a strength that we humans have or somehow we have to obtain, right? God's strength and his mighty power are part of the kingdom blessings that's been available to us. Amen. Zechariah 4, 6, you guys can quote it. Not by might nor by power, but by what? His spirit. It's not in us, it's in him. It's his strength in us. Pastor Chuck, how do we become strong? we got to put on God's armor. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Let me cut that off right there. Put on the whole armor of God. The form... Uh, in, I'm struggling with my microphone this morning, James. Sorry about that. Um, the form of the Greek imperative put on indicates that we as believers are responsible for putting on the armor of God. He didn't say it was going to appear magically on your body, it just said, put it on. We got to do something. Church, a good soldier, doesn't wait until they're in the heat of the battle to put on their protective gear. That's foolish. But a soldier pre-equips himself and prepares himself for what is ahead long before they engage the enemy. I think it's foolish for people to treat God as some kind of a spare tire. I really do. It's something that's not needed, not observed, and not valued until danger strikes. You never notice the boiler until the boiler don't put heat in the sanctuary in the morning. (laughs) amen don't treat god like a boiler okay there you go don't you think that's foolish though you're waiting to you get in trouble before i recognize who god is don't do that worship him now in the good times worship him for who he is right now why do we need to be strong in god let's finish that verse to stand against the devil's strategy we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That reveals something to me right there. The devil is a schemer. Amen? Amen? He's one that studies our weaknesses. He's the guy that sits across the street to case the joint to find out when the occupants are gone. Right? He's looking for times to catch us unaware and vulnerable, beginning in... Ephesians chapter 12, the apostle introduced the believers in Ephesus to the reality of spiritual warfare in the Christian life. Verse 12, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Chris, almost said wrestle there. I'm sorry. That's my hillbilly coming through. We wrestle. Did I get that? Oh, I got caught with that. There you go. Oh, Jesus. Lord have mercy. I got Appalachian coming through. Anyway, okay. But we do not wrestle, I knew you catch that, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, to stand firm. Did anybody see like me, every word in there was like Stand a stand you might stand that you withstand that you stand you know so Paul is telling us to do something here see before introducing us to the armor that Christians have to wear in combat in their in their weapons of warfare Paul stresses that the battle is spiritual and not physical we don't fight against flesh and blood that means we do not face a physical enemy but we face a spiritual one Anybody agree with that one this morning? We have to keep in mind our primary source of conflict in life is not circumstances, and it's not other people who irritate us, offend us, annoy us, or hurt us. They are not the real enemy. The enemy in whom we are at war with is the devil in the multitude of his evil spirits. Amen, Pastor Chuck. Christian warfare, it it has to consist of a spiritual strategy fought with supernatural weapons against an unseen enemy. The opposition is real, but it's not visible to the naked eye. The Apostle Peter also warned the church to remain vigilant against the schemes of the devil. He said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary prowls around, and I want you to notice this phrase, he prowls around like A roaring lion that's important we'll get to in a second seeking somebody to devour he's like a roaring lion I know you guys caught that because I caught it myself Jesus is the only one true lion of the tribe of Judah what am I saying here the devil wants to be the lion but he's not the lion he's the pseudo lion the pretender and the artificial lion can i say it that way would that be accurate he wants to be god but he ain't god never will be god and i know what his end is he's defeated (laughs) because we win this portion of scripture paul reveals an explanation there's three traits of Satan's spiritual forces against us. Number one, they're powerful. They have authority to rule in this present world. No wonder it's darkness. Amen. No wonder they don't care to kill wives and children in Ukraine. It's evil. Second, they're evil. Wicked spiritual enemies use their power to wreak Destruction. I'm reminded John 10 10 he comes to kill steal and destroy right That's what he does they're not associated they're, they're associated with darkness and never light they're always wicked and not good and third they're crafty they're crafty they know how to scheme and strategize they're so skilled at deception that sometimes the Bible even says that they're disguised as angels of light that's what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, for those that need that reference. Or there are wolves in sheep's clothing, Matthew chapter seven, if you need that reference. So we have to, we, they're crafty, we have to be on our game. So we in our human weakness, we can't expect to stand against such strong and cunning enemies. Remember, Paul says that we must be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Our enemy may be strong, beloved, but let me tell you something, our God is stronger. Our enemies have been defeated through Christ's victory over them on the cross. Oh, I've got a great verse for that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 15. And you who were dead. You know what I say in men's class, right, Chris? We weren't on God's naughty list. We were in the morgue. You weren't on God's naughty list. You were dead. You were in the morgue. That's what it says. And you who were dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive. Oh, praise the Lord right there. He breathed back life back into that pile of dirt right there that you were. There you are. God made us alive together with him. What did you do? Having forgiven us what? How about that? Oh, praise God. I had church right there. (laughs) All of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he, he set aside, nailing it to a cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. I just had church right there. Amen. Praise God. I already know the final score of the battle. <laughs> we win. Why? Because Jesus triumphed over them. Amen. Oh, I got to move on. What that? Okay, here we go. Ah, um, Ephesians six fourteen. Let's get into the armor of God. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's two pieces right there. You say this, all the pieces of the armor of God are designed to help us to stand against the schemes of the enemy. Amen. That's their sole objective, is to help us to stand. The belt of truth is the first piece Of the armor that Paul lists in his text. It's a very important piece. The belt of a Roman soldier in Paul's day was not a simple leather strap as we wear today. It was thick, heavy leather, and it had a metal band with a protective piece hanging down in the front of it. The belt was the item that a soldier put on first. It was a device that held all of the other pieces of the armor together in an organized fashion. Does that say something to you this morning? Everything we are, church, everything we do has to be secured in the truth of God. If we abandon God's truth, the entire structure of Christianity becomes disorganized and disintegrates. For without the absolute, unchangeable, foundational truth of God, we are left with the lies of situational contingencies and ideas that eventually lead to a belief that nothing is really wrong, it solely depends on a set of circumstances. Amen. The world that we live in today teaches that truth is what we make it. That good and bad are only relative and there's no absolutes or equally valid opinions. But the Bible clarifies to us today that the only absolute truth is, is God's Word. Good and evil are defined by Him. There are eternal and unchangeable absolutes that was established by an unchangeable God. And it's uninfluenced by anybody's thoughts or opinions. If the scriptures say it's wrong, it's wrong. If the scriptures say it's sin, it's sin. If the scriptures say it'll send you to hell, it will send you to hell. You need to pay attention to it because God's word will never change. It's absolute truth. Pastor Chuck, how you know this? Well, Jesus made it very clear. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Will not pass away. Right? That's a lot right there. Think about heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will still be there. Unchangeable. No creation has ever had the authority to change the word of God. And every attempt at doing so has always resulted in the distortion and disfigurement of his of his holy word. Amen. Without understanding of God's unchangeable truth, we're left vulnerable. We're left vulnerable this just, just wasn't part of the message can i throw this in for free <laughs> i just this week i don't know why i thought about this but oh well you're getting it anyway there you go uh, this week I, I saw they have started a, a church called the cannabis christianity did you see that I, I got some nods did you see that there's a pastor of a church that started well, a marijuana church. It's a cannabis Christianity church. And I read through the article, and it said that they've discovered that marijuana will help us get closer to God. That uh, somehow it will help you, help you get in, in closer. In, in, I, I'm not kidding. I read it. Did you read it? Did you, I read the article. Mm, Jesus. I get closer to God through prayer. (laughs) That's all I need. I'm like, oh my goodness. Can you see every attempt at altering the Word of God is nothing but disaster. That's all it is. Oh, Lord have mercy. Anyway, well, you know, let me say this. Without understanding of God's unchangeable truth, we're left vulnerable to be tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Can you see that what I'm talking about here? That's the word. I just read it. The belt of truth protects us and prepares us for the battle that's a part of every Christian life. John 8, 32 says this though, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I don't need cannabis to help me get in touch with God. The truth is, he's provided prayer for us, Mark. We can pray, and he will answer us. That's all I need. Oh, James, you sang, and the team took us to the throne. I felt the the presence of the Lord through song. Amen. Did you? Did you? Oh, amen. Well, I got to go. All right, here we go. Second piece that I listed there, breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate was a large bronze or chainmail piece that protected the body from the neck to the waist. I, I think of it like this it was the ancient version of a bulletproof vest. <laughs> you know, a piece of armor was obviously, as you could tell, the closest piece of armor to the heart of the soldier the heart it protected the heart other organs yes but primarily the heart how many know that one of the most common ways that satan attacks us is by going over after our hearts he goes after your heart what is the heart well the heart in scripture represents our innermost being the very essence of who we are and the devil knows that if he can get to our hearts he can inflict a mortal wound to our relationship with our, our God he knows that The breastplate was was made to protect the heart and other vital organs but let me make a note here the breastplate of a Roman soldier weighed about 70 pounds That's almost uh, you know Dan it's almost a a sack of concrete right on your back that's about 70 80 pounds that's pretty that's a lot of weight that amount of weight church would have been very heavy on the shoulders of that Roman soldier but at the bottom of that breastplate There were attachment rings that secured it to the belt it helped lift the load if you will off the shoulders and allowed the fighter more freedom of movement do you know that the righteousness that has been imparted to us by jesus christ is always secured to the truth of god always secured think about that that's an incredible weight lifted off our shoulders when our righteousness is continually linked to God's truth and furthermore without the Holy Spirit to assist us in 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 uh, in living righteously in this world it'd be far too heavy a burden for us to to bear we couldn't bear that we couldn't do that Um, what are you saying Pastor Chuck well I'm I'm not what the world says I am I am who God says I am. My righteousness is not of my own. My righteousness is who God says I am. He calls me his child, his own. Right? I've not called you servants, I've called you friends. That's what Jesus said. Isaiah 61:10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God, for he hath clothed me with garments of salvation, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. Boy, don't they take a lot of weight off right there? <laughs> oh my goodness. Righteousness, therefore, is based upon God's holy benchmark, and nobody can attain it through their own efforts apart from God's gift. Amen. No soldier would ever, ever go into battle without this piece of armor. And Paul says we shouldn't even think about going into life without wearing this breastplate of righteousness as well. Protect your hearts. Protect your hearts. Protect the vital organs of your body. Protect yourself from the enemy. He's out there. Uh, Ephesians 6.15, we'll go to the next one. And for, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. That's the next piece. The shoes of the gospel of peace. The Roman soldier wore a type of sandal that had hobnails in the soles. It would be like a, a cleat, a sports cleat, you know, for b- football players, you know, baseball players and that kind of thing, to give you better footing for the battle. And it may seem strange to us to consider shoes to be part of our armor, but can you imagine going into battle without shoes on, going shoeless? (laughs) I got got a question for you. Have you ever stepped on a toy barefooted in the middle of the night? (laughs) Everybody's laughing because you have, ain't you? Oh, that hurts so bad oh jesus that that sends pain up into your head anyway don't step on you know you know what legos are you know what legos are son don't step on a lego oh my goodness oh my goodness it it hurts for a week (laughs) anyway well to start with you know what we got to understand what the gospel of peace is if this part of our shoes right it means good news The gospel is good news, referring to the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross so that we can be saved. You know, to know that our sins have been forgiven, written in the word of God. and It provides and produces divine peace in our hearts. I mean, I'm going to say this, guys. Christianity is not a works religion. With a works belief system, you never know when you've done enough works to gain his favor. But let me tell you something god loved you before you were lovely he loved you when you were ugly he loved you when you were dead in your sins he gave his life ahead of time i can have an assured salvation because jesus is alive today and he wrought my salvation on that cross i get to go to heaven because of what he did not what i can do i got to tell somebody this morning You know what? You don't work for your salvation. You work because of your salvation. I don't work to become a son of God. I am a son that works. You are not a daughter of the Most High by works. You are a daughter that works for the Most High. Make sure we get that part right. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us of our sins. Amen. We've had church. There you go. We're ready for battle because it is... The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. The church, we can stand firm in peace even though we're in hand-to-hand combat because we know that we're doing right and that we are on the winning side. That gives us peace. It's like watching the game again after you know what the score is. It gives us peace. Beloved, we're in the battle both with inner peace that Christ has already given and the desire to produce that peace in the hearts of others. Amen. That's what the gospel is. People's lives are a wreck. They don't know what to do. They wring their hands. Let me tell you something about Jesus. <laughs> he brings the answer. Amen. This can only happen as we share the gospel of peace with other people. Those that have not heard, those have not accepted Jesus as Lord. We believe and boldly proclaim the good news is is a sure way to advance the cause of Christ and overcome the enemy. Having our shoes fitted with the gospel of peace allows us to do this successfully. John 14, 27, the peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That was Jesus, said that right? With God's strength, we can be brave in sharing our faith with others. Jesus has already defeated death, so we don't have to be afraid. The enemy tries to invade our lives with fear, using anything he can to steal our peace. On a personal note, let me say this. I've personally stood in the pre-op rooms of the hospital and had the opportunity to pray for those that are about to enter the operating room for a serious extensive surgery and i knew it and they knew it and but i'm going to tell you something good news i've witnessed the presence of the holy spirit occupy that moment and give the peace that passes all understanding the only peace that can come from the prince of peace and the anxiety and the fear that was present there completely vanished in one prayer i've seen it happen and it 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 Oh, thank you, Prince of Peace. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Satan has declared war on us, but you and I are ambassadors of peace. And such, we take that gospel of peace wherever we go. And ultimately, the shoes of the gospel of peace equip us to fight for Christ in those spiritual battles we face. And I can have peace all the way through it. Ephesians 6.16. Let's go on. In all circumstances... Take up the shield of faith. All circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. Anybody anybody in here ever had flaming darts shot at you? <laughs> yeah, amen. The Roman shield was a large, usually four foot by two foot piece that was made of wood and covered with tough leather. As the soldier held it before him, it protected him from the spears and arrows and fiery darts. And Before going into battle, the leather of that shield would be soaked in water to help extinguish the enemy's flaming da- darts, or the flaming arrows, if you will. The flaming arrow, or the dart, was made of, uh, 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 of, of, of reed, and... Uh, and, and, and it, was a, it had a flammable head to it that was lighted as it was shot to set fire to the shield or set fire to cloth tents or even clothing that the soldier would be wearing. But one thing I want to I I tell you this morning, I want to impart to you. The edges of these shields were so constructed that an entire line of soldiers could interlock their shields. You know what I mean, and march into the enemy as a solid wall. This suggests, church, that believers are not in the battle alone. There's multiplied strength when we battle the enemy together as a family. We lock them together. Hebrews ten twenty-five. You guys could quote it. Not forsaking the assemblies of ourselves together, as in as in the manner of some, but ex- exhorting one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. Uh, let me tell you about the day. Jesus is coming real soon, y'all. Just I'm just calling it like I see it. All right? For believers, this shield is faith. It's a complete, total reliance on God. Faith means total dependence on God and submission to do His will. I have faith and confidence in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen it means believing and claiming his promises that we read in the Word of God. Even before we see those promises materializing in our lives. They're still there. Beloved, when the enemy uh, and the ruler of this world sends his flaming arrows of temptation, and doubt, and wrath, and despair, and vengeance, and problems, and troubles into our lives we can hold up that shield of faith and quench them all we can do it isaiah forty-one ten says do not fear for i am with you do not be dismayed i am your god i will strengthen you i will help you i will uphold you with my righteous hand amen my righteous right hand thank you lord for your words when fear tries to penetrate the door of our hearts, let me tell you something send faith to answer the door. <laughs> when fear comes knocking, Steve, he tries to send those arrows past that shield of faith. Send faith, answer the door. Send faith, answer the door. I ain't seeing it today, but I'll look for it tomorrow. I didn't get my healing today, but I'm looking for it tomorrow. I didn't get my blessing today but I'm looking for it tomorrow I didn't get what God promised me but Dan I'm looking for it tomorrow and I'm not stopping looking for it I got to back up and tell you about the prodigal son the father stood on that front porch looking for that prodigal son to come down that road every single day but one day when he saw him afar off that means that father is looking for his next miracle coming down the road Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you this morning, come on church, don't ever stop looking for God's provisions. They will come. God has promised them. Did I get it today? No, but I got faith that I can have it tomorrow. But never stop looking. I felt like telling somebody that. That wasn't even part of my notes. There you go. Verse 17, first part of verse 17. Ephesians 6, 17, 8. And take the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation. In the Roman army, the helmet obviously was protection for the head, everybody knows that. It was a vital piece of armor, as an attack to the head could could result in instant death. Helmets were made of leather and brass, and sometimes bronze and iron, and, and no sword could pierce a good helmet. We are all aware that the believer's mind is the raging battlefield of the enemy, amen. Having our head guarded by the helmet of salvation provides a sense of safety for us from the devil's fatal attacks. Paul said to the Thessalonian church, he calls for believers to put on the helmet, the hope of salvation the hope that that paul is speaking of in that verse of scripture is not a last ditch effort no no that hope that you have in god is a complete assurance that god will do all he has promised that's my hope in him with assurance of salvation being confident of our relationship with god protecting our minds we can succeed against the enemy's attacks as a severe blow to the head often means death, so a person without the hope of salvation will be easily fooled and destroyed by the enemy. Amen. While we're in this world that is, that's filled with corruption and sin, our salvation performs as a helmet for us in the way it protects our minds. Do you know that the Word of God says for us not to be conformed to this world? You guys know the Scripture. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We have to be transformed. We, We know I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. I made a mistake, but I'm saved. We confess our sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But how many times, if I got anybody in the room today, how many times you make a mistake and the enemy jumps up on your shoulder, proverbially, but anyway, you know, and said, you might as well quit. God can't love you now. Everybody's shaking their head. Yeah, you've been there. No, 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 devil, you don't get the, up- no, 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 no. no. I'm saved. My God's bigger than my mistakes. My God's bigger. He, His mercy cannot be measured. His grace cannot be measured. Thank you, Lord, for your forgiving power. Nobody limits God. Amen. And I'm glad my God's limitless because I need that. Anyway, amen. Anybody else in the room need this? Yeah, all right, there you go. I won't ask. All right. We take up the helmet of salvation. We defend ourselves against sinful thoughts and gain a further understanding of what is good and true. But when we neglect the helmet of salvation, we become dangerously, dangerously susceptible to ungodly thoughts produced by the enemy who seeks to destroy our walk with Christ. We begin to think bad things about other people. We don't really see it for what it is. Barb, it's the enemy working behind the scenes. So, so when the devil, always, who always seeks to devour and destroy God's people with empty or evil thoughts trying to get us to even doubt our salvation, as I've said, we can have full confidence in the protection that the helmet of salvation provides for us. Folks, you're born again. Have you received Jesus in your heart and your life? You're born again. I'm saved. I have an assurance of salvation. Amen. Oh, sword of the Spirit. Here we go. (laughs) We got to take up the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. It's the only offensive weapon mentioned. Everything else is defensive. But the sword, I'm going to tell you, can be offensive and defensive at the same time. I know that. But it does have the trait of being the only offensive weapon. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. Paul gives it to us. What is it? It's the word of God word of God there was the Roman army had what they call short swords don't say that three times real fast there you go it was used in in close combat and this sharp sword was one of Romans great military innovations when it was sharpened that sword could pierce through about anything and it made it a very dangerous weapon How many know the Word of God is a very dangerous weapon? Amen. (laughs) To help us understand the connection between that and the uh, the sword and and the Word of God, it's important to comprehend the power of God's Word. Ephesians 4.12, or Hebrews 4.12, I'm sorry. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the Word of God is living and active. What is it? Sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of the spirit of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Through reading and applying God's word we can perceive and discern what is right and what is wrong. As a result, we strive to live in a way that is free from sin. James, I think you talked about the fact that we don't get as close to the line as we we get as far away from the line as we can get, right? God's Word, if we, as we've already said, is the ultimate unchangeable truth, and we find confidence in knowing it is our greatest weapon. But if we lack in the knowledge of God's Word, we will continue to struggle to fight against the enemy. However, those who examine and study God's Word and obeys its commandments will be blessed. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life while God's word protects us from the lies of the enemy it has an effect as a weapon for counter attacks for example let me Jesus used God's word do you remember in Matthew chapter 4 when Satan tried to test him in the wilderness right Every response that Jesus gave to the enemy was, it is written. Amen. That's how we use the sword of the Spirit in our lives. May I encourage you, church, that you cannot use this weapon, if you will, offensively, if you don't read what is written. You can't say it is written if you don't know what is written. You better read what is written. Then we can use it and say it is written. David, I make a good point there. Is that right? Is that, okay. Read the word, it's a good thing. So, how can we use the word of the Spirit in our lives? First of all, we're not meant to keep the knowledge that we gain from God's word to ourselves. Amen. We are meant to share that word, amen, with other people and to defend what we believe. We use God's word always to point people back to him. It's not easy sometimes to take up our swords and fight against the enemies. We're not called to do this in our own strength. We've already said that. When we're facing trials, we find peace in knowing that God is on our side. And we know that, how? By reading God's word. We understand it from his word. Romans 8:31. what? Then shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's word right there, right? I can trust that word. That's a good word. Can you get strength from that, that word right there? Yeah. If I know God is for me, Dan, who can be against me, right? that's a good word but if I don't read that word how do I know that I can't say it is written if I don't read it so I encourage you to take up the sword of the spirit in your daily life remember God's word is the ultimate truth and we can stand on his promises we are unstoppable with his word amen (laughs) Francis Schaeffer is an American Christian theologian James would you help me out buddy he makes this statement, and I think, church, this is a good statement. Hank, this is what he says. He said, we're locked in a battle. This is not a friendly gentleman's discussion. It is a life and death conflict between the spiritual host of wickedness and those who claim the name of Christ. I can say amen to that statement. We're right. Francis Schaefer just identified what this is all about. I'm going to conclude with this, guys. We'll come to the end here. Oh, I'm, I'm a little past my time. I, I was telling Brian Janice, I had a, had a meeting with Pastor Brooks, and I was talking to him, and I told him about today. and um, Yeah. I said, I've got to do the armor of God, and he just went, huh? It just laughed. I was in a fine arts meeting with a pastor friend and we were in casual talk and I said I'm going to speak to the church about the armor of God and he informed me about a conversation that he had with a Michigan county sheriff who was about to retire from the force. The question my pastor friend asked the sheriff was, what was the hardest you had to teach to the new recruits joining the sheriff's department what was the hardest thing you had to teach the new recruits joining the department and that sheriff that was about to retire retire he said this to get them to trust their armor that was the toughest thing If there's anything uh, I want you to take home today, beloved, above all else, you put on the armor of God because you can always trust the armor of God. It's good armor. You can always trust the armor of God. Amen. We got to put it on. We got to make a decision. We've got to hold up our shields of faith. We've got to put our shoes on, put our helmet on, put our belts on, our breastplate. We've got to put it on. We did not merit any piece of that armor. It's been given to us by our Savior. And then it lets us know that we're His. <laughs> I love a God that tries to protect his children. Amen. That's a good father right there. Beloved, I, I don't know what condition that you've had in prior weeks coming to this service today. and You may be sitting here today. So, Pastor Chuck, um, you know that that shield of faith that you talked about, Boy, I had one of those fiery darts got around it, and I think it, it penetrated my breastplate of righteousness, and it really zinged me pretty hard. I didn't see it coming. But isn't that like the enemy? He always gets you when, you, you know, when you're the weakest and you're vulnerable, that kind of thing. But I, I want us to pray this morning for you. That if you're hurting and the enemy's come along and tried to tell you that you're not even saved, you made too many mistakes and give up. I'm, church, can I say this? That's not true. <laughs> God never gives up on us. He's with us. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Is that in the word, guys? He didn't give up on us. But this morning, that might that might be you. And you, and you might say, Pastor Chuck, yep, you got me. Might be you. I'm going to ask you to bow, bow our heads in the service today. And, and guys, I'm just going to ask you. It's, it's not to embarrass or anything like that. But I'm just going to. I'm going to just make that. Just make that question before you today. Have you been hurt? Anyone in this congregation? Have you been hurt? by one of those fiery darts that Pastor Chuck's talked about this morning. Have you been wounded to the point that you feel like you, you would like for us to pray? Can I see a hand or two this morning? Can, can I see somebody in the congregation? Yep, I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Can I see that hand this morning? You feel like you've been wounded. Yep, I see that hand. I'm here to tell you today, you're in a group of loving people that absolutely will pray. We don't need anything, we need prayer. We can go to the Father and He can meet that need. And He can, I serve a God that can heal broken hearts. That's something that you'll never get a prescription for, but I know a physician that can. Amen? So, Church, would you join me to pray for those that have raised their hands this morning? God, we lift our brothers and sisters, Lord, before you that are wounded this morning. God, you love them so much that you will not leave them like they came. But, oh, God, today, Lord, we're praying for healing for any situation, Lord, that the enemy has come in and has wounded, and they're bleeding in their hearts and their souls, Lord. But today, Lord, you are here to make a difference. You are here to heal and to lift and to strengthen. And so, Father, I pray right now, Lord, and I know I can pray in the name of Jesus because this is your will to heal and to lift and to strengthen, Lord. So I pray in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, that those that have raised their hands this morning in this service, God, that you will heal and do a victorious miracle in their lives this morning. Father, I give you thanks in advance. I thank you by faith, Lord. We talked about faith this morning. I thank you by faith that you're going to run to them and you're going to touch them. You're going to overshadow them with your presence, Lord. You're going to heal them. And to you, God, be the glory and the honor and the praises. In Jesus' precious name. Church, would you say amen? Amen. Beloved, can I get you to stand together? It's been an incredible joy to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I think it was. It's been an incredible joy. And I hope and pray, my heart's prayer is that maybe something that we said today take it home and be able to feast upon it for days and weeks to come. I pray that it was something. I pray your experience at Northfield Christian Assembly was, was good today, that you you sensed the presence of the Lord here this morning. My prayer is that this week His love and His presence will overshadow you this week. That you're going to take a step this week, and no matter where it's at. You're going to sense and feel His presence. And i pray that the holy spirit will bring back your remembrance something that we said that you cannot hold this information yourself but be able to pass it on to other people that they too can feast upon it and be healed and know that the armor of god can be trusted that just the one time the enemy maybe has slipped something through that doesn't mean that's forever we can we can put on a new piece of armor amen That's my heart and my thought my takeaway for you today. Be able to feast upon what, what has been done. We had church today. We had church today. Been in this presence. Father God, I pray, Lord, for our congregation this morning. God, I love these people, but you love them even more i pray their protection this week i pray that you'll overshadow them this week lord and that we have said that your presence would envelop them today that all around them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet god they'll sense and know that you are there god my heart is so glad for us to be in the house of the lord together this morning what a privilege it, privilege it was lord to be in your house that we would lift our hands together as a group, Lord, to you, to whom all worship and glory is due. What a great, great time we've had in your presence this morning, my king. I love you, and I ask you to go with everyone this morning, Lord, and make this week the best week they've ever had. We pray that in the mighty name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's people, would you say amen to that one? Amen. Love you guys with all my heart. God bless you.